You're listening to the Morning Relay, RotoFanatic.com's daily breakdown of the fantasy baseball realm. Welcome into the show. It's a twofer today on Wednesday. Me and Paul Mamino are going to rock this house. Paul, what's up, man? Not much. How's it going? Everything's going well. Oh, man. I'll tell you what. Uh, let's see. There was a ton of offense yesterday, and we're going to talk all about that. The bats were alive, not just at Coors. We got a classic Coors field game, which hadn't seen in a minute, so that's fun. Uh, but it looked like a course field all over the place last night. So we'll break that down and talk about the outcomes from that. Uh, don't forget to go to rotofanatic.com and check out all of our latest stuff. We got the podcast. We got the videos. Quality Start comes out every day, Monday through Friday. We also have, uh, what's what's the latest one? Oh, yeah, we're going streaking. Yeah, I love the graphic on that, by the way. It's got the old Will Ferrell uh, running. We're going streaking. Our graphics guys are great. They, they put out good stuff. So that's Dave Funnel's weekly piece. We're going streaking comes out today. So check that out. Find out who's hot and who's not. And of course, follow us on Twitter at Roto underscore fanatic. All right, Paul. So uh, opening thoughts. Uh, anything stand out real quick? We didn't get a chance to talk about the deadline. What is your post deadline thoughts? Uh, anything that you feel was a great move that is going to really help uh, fantasy-wise for someone or somebody who maybe missed an opportunity because they could have had a better fantasy situation going forward. Yeah, I mean, um, the one I was excited to see was excited to see Ty France get out of uh, San Diego. Um, yeah. From from what I've heard, the, the rumors seem to be that he's going to get a, a chance to get some full at-bats with the Mariners. He's a really interesting guy, uh, decent amount of power. He has a really impressive minor league track record so it's a guy that i think if he gets a few ab's and gets a chance he could really be something interesting um a guy that has been really another one that's been really bad this year so far but i still have some faith in is josh van meter uh he got traded to i think he got traded to arizona from yeah. cincinnati and he he's been terrible this year i mean they've been kind of running him out every once in a while and i think he's hitting like 50 so but he's got a lot of power a lot of speed and i think if he gets enough at bats he could be an interesting fantasy guy i uh, don't really know where they're going to come from but he can play some outfield so maybe they'll they'll replace Marte with him hey you're speaking my language on the france move i really like having ty france just kind of unleashed in seattle get to play every day yep and just use that bat i mean he can hit he's hitting the minors and he hits in the majors when he gets a chance and limited duty he is produced in San Diego. So now he can go to town on a team that's not contending and he could just give you garbage fantasy stats the rest of the season, which is good for your fantasy team. No good for real life. They're going to lose, but I mean, the Mariners have had a few of those guys that have given us just they're, oh. they're terrible, but they've had a few guys that have been really good for fantasy. So oh, Kyle Lewis more, a revelation. Yeah. You Kyle Lewis yeah. has been incredible. So yeah. maybe France is the next guy there. Yeah, that's, Totally true. And Dylan Moore's been hurt. He was great. He was given mm -hmm. steals, a little power. But uh, since he's been out, that's also good news for France to play more. Yes. All right. So let's talk then about Tuesday night. Man, uh, it's hard to know where to start because we had so much offensive explosiveness everywhere. Uh, we can start with the Tigers. Uh, maybe I'm being a little biased, but they did score 12 runs and they dismantled Milwaukee on the road, which is just still so shocking. It's crazy to see it. Uh, but Victor Reyes, he had a big night. He showed signs of life for a team that doesn't always put up a lot of offense. But Victor Reyes can steal bases, and uh, he can show a little pop. I, I don't think he's somebody you're going to be 
having on a roster in a 12-team league, but I certainly think maybe he deserves more of a look in 15-team uh, leagues, two-catcher league, Roto. Uh, what's your take on Victor Ro- Reyes after his five RBI night last night? Yeah, I um I actually loved Reyes going into the season, and then when they signed Cameron Maven, I started to kind of shy away from him. But one of the things that I found really interesting about him was that I think a lot of his numbers, especially going into this year, were dragged down by that horrible start to his career when he was the when he was taken in Rule Five, and they kind of were forcing him into major league at bats, and he did not he wasn't ready to be there yet. So he showed last year, you know, he can hit for a decent average. He's got some power, a little bit of power. He's got a little bit of speed. Yes, last year, the power started to kind of grow a little more. And it seems like it's it's still relatively there. I mean, he's not going to hit 20 home runs. But anybody that can get double-digit home runs, double-digit steals in a normal season is pretty valuable for fantasy. A few years ago, I did. Uh, I looked into this a little bit. I can't remember the exact numbers. But I think aside from Jacoby Jones, anybody that hit 10 home runs and stole 10 bases was like a top 150 ish hitter so you know just getting those numbers a few years back mainly because of how valuable steals are makes you at least a pretty valuable piece so i think if he's going to play every day race is definitely somebody you want to add well he hit the leadoff spot last night and with jacoby jones breaking his hand so he's going to be out for the tigers that's good news for victor reyes uh, leading off and playing time so that this could open the door for a great september for Mr. Reyes. So that's definitely something that's worth monitoring. Uh, the Cardinals just destroyed the Reds again. Um, they they went to town on them on Monday night, but not as bad as they did on Tuesday. 16 to 2. And um, man, Brad Miller continues to just be this sneaky, sneaky value play right now. He had two home runs and seven RBI. It's a huge night. He's going to go. He's going to continue on the streak for a while, and it's going to be fun. And eventually it will end, but right now it's not. But what I'm more curious about is the fact that Sonny Gray gets lit up. He can't even get out of the first inning. Six earned runs, three walks. Uh, He didn't give up any home runs, oddly enough, in his easily, easily to hit home run ballpark. But is this an aberration for Sonny Gray, or are there more concerns going forward? I think this is just a one-off game. I mean, he's been absolutely incredible all season before this. And I have a lot of faith in the Reds pitching development has become pretty good. Um, so I have a lot of faith in their ability to, to kind of fix if there was something, if he was tipping pitches, who knows. But I think Sonny Gray is one of the better pitchers in all of baseball, and he's done it. He did it last year. He did it again. He's doing it again so far this year. Um, the the bad Yankee years kind of stay, stick in a lot of people's minds, but but Gray really is a, a top-end pitcher, so I just think this is a one-off game, and he'll be fine. Oh, okay. Well, you know, if you read uh, Paul's GPS report, which just came out yesterday, by the way, you can find out who he likes with his stuff ERAs, and that's his own metric he created, right, Paul? Yep. Yeah, Everything, uh, Everything's on my own from that, so. Yeah, that's good stuff, and uh, your stuff ERA leaderboard comes out every Tuesday with that gps report and sunny gray is always usually pretty high up on that leaderboard i see he's in the top 15 mm-hmm. right now so and your your stuff ERA has him at a 3.56 which is uh, still very respectable based on your metric and we don't have to go into the details of how you break all that down right now but sunny gray what, what is one thing that to you you like about sunny gray as a pitcher what does he do well that other pitchers maybe don't do as well in your opinion he uh he generates a lot of Hold on, what's the word? Let me find here. So one of the things that he does well is it's really more just like a sum of the parts kind of thing. Um, but one thing that he does well is he generates 
a lot of takes within the zone. So um, while he gets a decent amount of swings and misses and everything, he's he's high up in takes. And we're going to talk about another guy hopefully in a little bit, where Aaron Nola, where it's the same thing. So he gets a ton of called strikes, and it's keeping hitters off balance. And while he doesn't have a super, I think what I'm looking at is he has like a he's around the middle of the expectation for swings in the zone, but guys don't really swing. So he has one of the better, uh, what I call influences at that. So that means that pitches that guys would normally be swinging at, they're not swinging at when with gray and Nola does the same thing. So they generate a lot more called strikes than the average pitcher. Interesting. Wow. Oh, well, you know, Sonny Gray is a guy who deserves a lot of credit. You know, he really turned around his career last year. And I think I would tend to agree with you. Sometimes bad nights happen and you just got to forget it. It's like being a quarterback. You got to have a short memory and move forward. And the only problem is when you're a pitcher, you got to wait four or five days to pitch, which sucks sometimes. But that's uh, what you signed up for. And uh, what you signed up for here on the morning relay is a breakdown of everything fantasy baseball. And as we continue forward on the show. We swing on over to Coors Field and John Gray. Now, John Gray might not. Sonny Gray. Don't confuse him with Johnny Gray because Johnny Gray is really kind of hitting the bottom here. And I actually made a comparison last night to a friend of mine. We were talking about John Gray and we used to love him. And it sucks that he's in Coors Field. If he could just get out of Coors Field, maybe he could have like a Dylan Bundy like resurgence if he went elsewhere like Dylan's having this year with the Angels. Um is there any sense of that maybe down the road if John Gray could get out of uh, Colorado or is that kind of wishful thinking? I, I'm still hopeful for him too. I think I'm with you. Um, he's a guy that I was buying into a lot this year, mainly because his price was just so low. But the big thing for him is that the, the strikeouts have just kind of disappeared. And not that he was ever elite at it, but it's just not even close. He's had, you know, I think for a while there, he was rocking like a, a 3.5 K nine, like just yeah. nothing, nothing that's really been anything of value for him. And the numbers are kind of bearing it out. He's locating well, but it's just guys aren't reacting to his pitches at all. Like they're not swinging and missing. They're not really doing anything that leads to a lot of strikeouts. So not getting swings and misses and pitching in cores is, is pretty bad. I mean, <laughs> there's not much worse that can happen than a ball put in play in cores. So maybe if he gets a change of scenery, maybe a new pitching development place can really do something for him. But I mean, I'm, I'm out on him now. Yeah. Tough night. Of course for him, he had like 10 hard hit balls against him. He lasted two and two thirds. He gave up seven earned runs and then his teammate, Jairo Diaz matched him with seven more earned runs. And it all added up to a 23 to five shellacking by the giants. The giants had three guys who had six RBI in the game apiece, And these are, these are not world beaters. You're talking Brandon Crawford, Donovan Solano, and Alex Dickerson. Alex Dickerson became one of the few players to have five extra base hits in a game. Uh, he just missed a fourth home run. He had three bombs, and his fourth a double he hit was about 414 feet. It would have been out almost anywhere else, but this was in the deeper part of cores. So he almost almost made history in that respect but this is one of those games that does happen at course from time to time but i think real quickly here all the guys i just mentioned these are all just again one offs who if you put them in your dfs last night that's great but these aren't guys that you're running to the waiver wire for yeah i mean i'm not going to actively go out and pick these guys up i mean i've i've had i've had solano in a few places early in the year when he was hitting like you know 450 or so but the giants offense is 
is really strange. They've had a few of these kind of big outburst games. They're they're not terrible. I mean, they look pretty bad on oh, yeah. on paper. Their their names don't stand out. I mean, Wilmer Flores is having a great season. Brandon Belt is having a great season. So the team isn't isn't terrible, but yeah, I mean those those guys those are one off games. I'm not going to chase three home runs from Alex Dickerson again. <laughs> oh, the elusive three home runs, Alex Dickerson. <laughs> Never again. Never again. Uh, by the way, Garrett Hampson in a pointless effort hit two home runs. So when he that's nice when he gets to play, people love that. I mean the yeah, but Kevin Pilar will play second or something just because. <laughs> It's the Rockies. Yep. Yeah, and Garrett Hampson was betting eighth for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> Although, Ramel Tapia has been pretty good lately, and I so it's not like he doesn't deserve to lead off necessarily, but yeah. I think if you go on Twitter, you'll hear a lot of people complain. Garrett Hampson, free Garrett Hampson. and You can complain all you want, but the Rockies are going to be Rockies. That's yeah. Nice. I mean, Tapia doesn't give you much more, but so I personally wouldn't hit him lead off, but I can understand the justification for it from the Rockies perspective. He has been good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got a pretty good eye. He can get on base too. Yeah. He's, you know, he's your kind of a old school classic leadoff hitter in a sense. Probably. Yep. Um, maybe not the modern games. We're just trying to maximize the bats for the best players. Yeah. So there's a different philosophy there, yeah, but sure. you're right. That's true. That's true. Uh, Cleveland also had a nice little outburst. They scored 10 runs themselves. They dismantled Matt Harvey. Now, nobody was expecting anything from Matt Harvey, so I don't think we have to really worry about uh, old Matt and what's going on with him. He, uh, I just can't believe that people put him on a mound to start Major League games. Still, is that bizarre? I That's bizarre to me, but I don't think I've ever seen a pitcher go from that dominant to, to this in my in my lifetime of watching baseball. I mean, he went from looking like a hall of famer to the worst pitcher in baseball. <laughs> yeah. I think it shows you that he, he was all talent. He wasn't a good yeah. pitcher at all. No. Cause he hasn't decided, or maybe it's not a decision, but I do think there is some decision involved where you say, okay, I don't have the stuff anymore. So now I got to learn how to pitch. I don't think he ever sat down and had the conversation with himself. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, you see like a guy like CC Sabathia did it late in his career where, yeah. He didn't have the stuff anymore, and he kind of turned it around. But, yeah, I don't think Harvey's ever really – he's he's always had the stuff, so he's never realized how he can pitch without it. Yep, I agree. Uh, but the Fratimal went off. He had a big night. It's good to see that because this Cleveland offense has been struggling all year. So to see them score 10 runs on anybody, I don't care if it is, man, Harvey. That's good news. He went five for five, Mr. Reyes did. And oddly enough, uh, only one of them was a home run. He had four hard-hit balls. Uh, Fran Mill – has been, you know, he's been so-so. He's been kind of on and off, but he's really kind of turned it up lately now. So uh, what do we look at best of season? Fran Mill Reyes is a guy who hits in a good spot behind some good hitters, but they just have not been getting on base enough for him to produce beyond what he's been capable on his own. Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of what you, if you drafted Fran Mill Reyes, you were kind of hoping for, the power to come and it's, and it's been there. I mean, like you said, he's been hot recently and he's been really bunching some really big games together. I think he's got a couple from what I remember, he's got a couple multi-hit games, a couple three, four hit games, one or two homers, a couple doubles. I mean, if this Cleveland offense, cause it is a good offense. I mean, Lindor, uh, Jose Ramirez, Carlos Santana, like those guys hitting in front of him, those guys should be getting on base probably more than they are. So I think if you have Fran Mill, you're, you're playing him, you're hoping for the best. I mean, you're hoping for like, him to do his best uh, Nelson Cruz impression the rest of the season, I guess. Like, hit hit for a decent average, some power, and hit in the middle of a good order. But 
that's really all you can ask for from him. Yeah, he's well, he's hitting the hell out of the ball like he always does. He's a top 4% of the league yep. in uh, exit velocity and hard hit rates looking pretty good. Strikeout rate still up there, 28%, but and the walk rates, I mean his K and walk rate, they look exactly the same as they have. So nothing seems to have changed. He's who you think he is, and yep, that's fine. Exactly. And that's good cuz yeah. You know. He's the guy you drafted and it's been bunched in the last few weeks instead of being over the course of a season, but even when he was in San Diego, he had these stretches where, you know, he'd have two incredible weeks and then he'd be a little bit off for a week or so. So this is what you're expecting from. That's true. You're listening to the morning relay. Rotofanatic.com's daily breakdown of fantasy baseball. And as we continue along, we're swinging on over to Fenway where more offense. What do you know? Marcelo Zuna had three home runs. You know, it's a busy night when Marcelo Zuna is like the seventh person we talk about and he hit three home runs. So that's, that's no uh, slouch at all. So Marcelo Zuna has been a guy that was signed. And when people signed him for this one-year deal, this kind of prove-it deal, one-year, $18 million, and they put him in a lineup that people were really excited for. Oh, okay, he's in Atlanta, and he's got Ronald Acuna and Ozzie Albies. And, but none of those guys have played as much. Ozzie Albies has been out forever, and there's still no sign. Supposedly, he's supposed to go to the alternate site and start working out, but he's still... It looks like they're trying to save Albie for the playoffs, so you could probably forget about him. And Ronald Cunha, just when you thought he was back, they say he's out again, and who knows what's going on there. That's been really frustrating. But Marcelo Zuna's been pretty reliable overall. He had four hard-hit balls last night. Three of those were home runs, obviously. And he's sitting around 300, got an OPS around 1,000. Rest of season, is Ozuna maybe the most reliable guy that you can count on on this Atlanta offense? I mean, they do still have Freddie Freeman. I mean, he still exists. He's still... I, I will bet on him. He's, I think, one of the better hitters in all of baseball, so I'll still bet on him, even if the season might not be looking the same way. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love Ozuna. He's He seems to be a guy in drafts that consistently falls. There's there's no real reason for it. It might just be because it's not really a sexy pick. It might be that he was on Miami for so long and people don't really realize how valuable he is. But the guy hits, you know, 250 to 270, maybe a little better in a good year has a ton of power. He's going to drive. He's going to, he hits in the middle of orders. He doesn't run a ton, but that's not what you're drafting him for. And and there's a lot of guys that go before him that probably don't deserve to. And he tends to fall a lot in drafts. And I think that he'll be another year older next year. So we'll probably go through the same song and dance again. He'll probably drop in drafts and somebody will take him and he'll end up with pretty much the same season. So yeah, I mean, if you're if you're going with reliability in terms of you know what you're going to get, yeah, he's probably the most reliable, but I'll still bet on Freddie Freeman every single day. Hmm. Would you rather have uh, Marcelo Zuna or Whit Merrifield? I guess that depends on team context. I mean, Merrifield can steal, so if you need steals, I'd rather him, but I just don't like – I'm personally not a, a Merrifield fan, and I, I tend to like guys that are more power-driven, so I'll take Ozuna, but – I think a lot of team context, you'll end up taking with Merrifield. Hmm, okay. Well, in a roto context, then, how about uh, would you rather have Charlie Blackman or Ozuna? Give me Blackman. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll okay. take Blackman there. That's okay. <laughs> oh, Charlie. Okay. I, I'm I'm always so cruel to Charlie. I need to be nice to Mr. Blackman. Uh, Ian Anderson also was outstanding again, man. Uh, there's a reason he was a top draft pick. There's a reason he's a highly touted prospect and he's cashing in early. He's not having any butterflies. He came out rocking against Garrett Cole last week. 
and he did it again against a Boston offense that doesn't really scare a lot of people anymore. I mean, they they cleaned house too, and now they're they still have Devers and Bogarts and Verdugo. I mean, there's some guys in the lineup to be afraid of, but Ian Anderson was not afraid at all. He only gave up four or five hard hit balls, six innings, one walk, eight Ks, ninety six pitches, very efficient. I assume you love Ian Anderson because there's nothing not to like about his game. Yeah, I mean, so it it's a really small sample so far. Um, so the model kind of doesn't have too much on him. But what it has seen so far is that the command has been elite. He's been locating to really good, really good spots in the zone. Depending on for things, his his uh, expected whiff rate is really high, um, and he's shown a little bit of woba su- suppression skills. Now, it's only been a few games. It's only been a few balls in play. So those suppression skills might not uh might not carry through and that's probably the most the, the riskiest of the different uh, underlying metrics but so far it's season is like a, a three six pitcher and three six era so yeah i mean it's it's not i don't think it's necessarily going to be an ace but he's been pretty he's been really impressive so far and he's definitely a guy that you're going to keep rolling with if you have him and if you missed out on him then not probably not much you can do. I don't think anybody's going to be trading him based off these two samples of pretty much dominating the Yankees and then, you know, still looking elite again last night. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a dynasty league, he's definitely not going to be moved. It would take yeah. a big haul now to get him. And if you're in a redraft situation, uh, if your deadline was uh, still uh, this weekend, a lot of deadlines for most leagues were this past Sunday, but if you still have a deadline this Sunday, you know, making a move for Ian Anderson down the stretch, the brave schedule is pretty favorable. I looked at it recently and, for pitching matchups like Max Fried and Ian Anderson, it's beneficial. So maybe take a look at that. Uh, it could be positive news for you. Well, the Orioles uh, took care of business against the Mets last night. Uh, they only scored nine runs. They couldn't break double digits. Pretty lame. Only Slackers. 15 hits. Yeah, what a bunch of losers. 15 hits? Come on. Get it together. Uh, but this guy, Pat Valeka, he went four for four. Uh, we've talked about him on the show a few times. and He is kind of a sneaky, decent play. He's the kind of guy that you would pick up Nobody would ever trade for him because they're like, who the hell is this guy? And he doesn't he doesn't carry a lot of clout and weight with his name. But um, he's been a very useful fantasy player based on the situation and league that you've been in. Uh, what do you make of Pat Valaika as a hitter? I mean, I I remember when, you know, he'd play for the Rockies and he'd fill in here and there in the middle infield. And I would definitely use him in DFS because you'd use anybody in cores that was cheap. But he... He's not, I mean, he's he's never done this before, what he's been doing so far, but I think kind of like with Brad Miller and these short seasons, you got to ride these hot guys. So I definitely think that if you're in need of, Valeka um, qualifies almost everywhere, right? I think he qualifies in most leagues, like across the infield. So if you need help pretty much anywhere, he's not a bad guy to slot in your lineup. A lot of big guys are struggling. We're coming down to the wire. You've You've got to start making these moves to try to maximize for your categories and stuff. So if you need if you need help and he's not he's not a bad hitter i think he hits near the middle of that order that order is not that bad especially the top you know the top part of that order is pretty talented so he's not a bad guy to pick up i'm not going to be you know replacing a star with him but if i'm struggling at middle infield or i'm struggling somewhere he's definitely a guy i'm slotting in yeah he's basically faced the same amount of pitches that he did last year so last year yeah. was a small sample for him and he's cut his k rate basically in half that's a huge yeah, jump for the same sample size, even though it's not a, I mean, we're talking short season. Here. Yeah, for sure. But still, that's, uh, that's something to take note of. I will, I'll be really curious to see what happens with him in 2021, because I'd like to see what happens over the long haul to see if he made some changes or if it's just a fluke. Yeah, definitely. 
So that's the big, that's the sad state of affairs. I can't wait for 2021. <laughs> it's got to be something more to look forward to. Oh, man. Uh, also, by the way, in this game, Hunter Harvey pitched one inning, got two strikeouts. Uh, so he might be rounding into form. He could be that closer. I still think he's the guy. They want to give him that shot because he's got that hair. And people love that hair. I still like, I, I agree with you. I think in the long run, he is. I just don't know what the justification would be for doing it this year, unless unless they're actively going for the playoffs. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, one, of, one of the things that I notice with, with closers a lot is it becomes so valuable in arbitration. They become too valuable in arbitration. So a lot of, a lot of teams will hold guys back, but he's definitely the best pitcher in that pen and should be the closer. It's just a matter of if we have a month left and he came back from injury, are we going to throw him right back into that? So I think it's, Definitely a guy to add if you need saves, but I don't know if you want to expect, you know, the world. That's true. Well, I'll tell you what, on the morning relay, you can expect excellent informational breakdown like that from Paul Mamino. It's me and Paul Mamino doing this thing together. And as we cruise along, uh, Mr. Tanaka, Masahiro Tanaka was rock solid last night. The Yankees finally beat the Rays. It's been a while. Uh, DJ LeMay, who hit two bombs, two taters. He just comes right off the IL with a thumb issue. Who cares? Thumb, wrist, doesn't matter. This guy rakes. Uh, something about DJ LeMahieu is just so very consistent. I do respect that. But I'm more curious about your thoughts on Mr. Tanaka. Uh, this is a guy that always seems to be like the, the linchpin for this rotation. If he can give them more, it kind of dictates how far the Yankees can go. And as a fantasy player, <sighs> Tanaka's always all over the place. Sometimes he pitches great. Like he did last night, you know, one walk, seven Ks, two earned, only three hits. That's a great line. Keeping the walks down, minimizing hard hit contact. And then other times he can have these meltdown games. And it seems to depend if the splitter's on or off. What's uh, what's your take on Tanaka here rest of the season? Yeah, so, I mean, he is, like you said, he's kind of a weird guy that's really hit or miss. So one of the things that's been his calling card in his career is, is he has elite command um, in the, the command metric that underlies my my ERA model, or one of the metrics that underlies it, he's near the top almost every single year. Now, part of that is probably because of how many breaking balls he throws. You know, breaking balls are going to have better expectations than fastballs, to be just completely honest. Um, but what it's happening is his his actual whiff rate and his expected whiff rate are kind of lining up. So he tends to be pretty high up in it, like about 14% by the ex- expectation. And this year, it's, it's lining back up. And the last time it did that was 2018, and that was one of his more successful seasons in the past couple of years. But his problem is that he he really doesn't do a great job of suppressing contact. And that's kind of based off what you're talking about with the splitter. Splitter guys, and I think we're seeing it with Frankie Montas a little bit this year, is that when that pitch isn't working, it's really not good. And it gets crushed. Um, you'll watch with Tanaka a lot. He'll he'll almost hang slider or he'll hang splitters down the middle and he gives up a lot of long home runs on him. So I think that that's kind of something that you can see with him. And when the splitter is on, it's going to be a good day. But it's trying to guess what day that splitter is going to be on or off. Hmm, that's really interesting. Yeah, splitter guys, there does seem to be a tendency with that. Uh, I know Matas fans are really bummed this year. So, yeah. but I think he's also been hurt. I don't know there's a lot going on there. That yeah, should- I think there's a little bit going on there. I just know that whenever whenever I hear a splitter guy is struggling, that's my first thought is I want to look into where it's throwing it and where it's missing because it's kind of like a I'm trying to think of a good an, an, a throwback of sorts for Yankee fans was Chin Ming Wong with his sinker. His sinker was great, but once it flattened out, he was still throwing it, you know, 
middle of the zone and it used to run to the bottom of the zone, but now it's not running to the bottom of the zone. And it was getting crushed. So I think the splitter kind of does the same thing where if you throw it towards the middle and it doesn't break down, then it's just a flat pitch right down the middle of the zone and it gets hit hard. Yeah. Just sitting right there. A meatball ready to tee off on. Yeah. Uh, here's somebody who didn't throw meatballs. Aaron Nola, eight innings, two hits, three walks, nine Ks, 113 pitches. They really <laughs> let him loose yesterday against the Nets who are totally falling apart. But Aaron Nola's not. Aaron Nola, I really feel like I loved Aaron Nola as a bounce back this season, and I wish I would have. The, the draft value just didn't always meet the opportunity, and that's just how drafts go sometimes. So I didn't get to get enough shares, but I was all about it, and uh, I feel feel really happy for him because I really believe he's he's top five, top seven starting pitcher in all fantasy. Yeah, I mean, the, the knock on him for a while, I, I was with you going into last season. I was really taking a, a bet on on him reaching that upper echelon of pitchers. The knock was, and it's not low, but it was a low-ish K rate compared to the other ace starters, right? It was it was about nine where most of the other guys were in double digits. Last year, his, his Ks jumped, but the walks went with it. And that was kind of one of the bigger things that happened to him. But so far this year, he's even increased the Ks more and returned to that, like, you know, two mid-twos walk rate. Um, so far, though, he's got a really low BABIP and a high left on base rate. A little bit of concerns that, you know, might not trends that might not continue. But as I was talking about with Sonny Gray is he's fourth in all of baseball among pitchers that have thrown 350 pitches in the, the end zone swing influence. So essentially what that is, is it, as I talked about before, is just it's his ability to generate takes in the zone and over expectation. So he... It must be the pitch mix. I'm not really 100% sure what it is about him, but he locates extremely well in the zone and he gets a ton of called strikes. And that's kind of the key to his success. And if he can continue that, because he's done for a while and continue to keep the walks down, yeah, he'll definitely be in the, the top 10 or so next year. Uh, a guy who was hoping to maybe make a run like that, definitely not going to get there right now. Eliezer Hernandez, he uh, left yesterday's game after a couple innings. He's got lad issue. They're going to put an MRI on it and see what the story is there. That's not good. He'll probably, he might miss a start. He might go in the IL. Lats and pitchers, yeah, they don't mix well together. No. I am real curious, Paul. Michael Pineda returned to the mound almost a year since he's pitched. And uh, he went, he looked pretty good for a guy who pitched in a year. He went six innings, too, against a White Sox lineup that just destroys pitching. Um, Michael Pineda, this is somebody that maybe we should be rostering now for the rest of season. Yeah, I mean, anybody, I think anybody that pitches for the Twins is definitely a guy that's worth rostering, or at, at least shouldn't say anybody that pitches the Twins, but anybody that's going to get a normal starter's run for the Twins just because of the ability to generate wins. I've always liked Pineda, um, even as a, as a Yankee fan watching him. He was frustrating to watch, but the stuff is pretty elite. But the issue for him is is he has elite control, but he does not have elite command. He only has, you know, he has above average command, but he, he locates in the zone a lot, and yes, he doesn't walk a lot of guys, but he locates not that well in the zone, and he gets hit pretty hard because of it. So I think that he's a guy that you have to temper your expectations. He looks at times like he could be an ace, but he's never going to be. He's going to be you know, a, a high threes, low fours ERA guy, but he'll rack up wins for the Twins. Yeah, he will, and it's really amazing. He, he didn't even crack 90 pitches, but he was able to get through six innings. He was very efficient, yep. and... Even when he got in a little bit of trouble, you'd have to be watching live to see this happen. He caught a bad break because Madrigal was trying to steal second, and Tim Anderson hit it right where the second baseman would have been, and it looked like it was going to be bad, but he got out of it. 
makes yeah. Jose Abreu look pretty weak in a bases loaded situation. So kudos to Pineda. Glad he's back. And uh, that's good news for him. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up the show here. Wow. This thing just flies by. It always it really does. does. It's unbelievable. But this is uh, the morning relay. We try to give it to you in a half hour or less every day, Monday through Friday. Rotofanatic.com's daily breakdown of fantasy baseball. A uh, couple quick things, a couple quick young guns. Uh, like I said on the show yesterday, or it was Monday, or I don't know, I talk a lot. Uh, Dalton Varsho, they wanted to start Varsho in center field. That's why they moved Marte. It wasn't so much about the $12 million option. It was about giving Dalton Varsho daily playing time. So that's why they traded Sterling Marte. And sure enough, Dalton Varsho starting in center field now for the Diamondbacks. So that's good news for him. And Cabrian Hayes made his debut for the Pirates, and he showed up strong. He hit a game-tying home run, had a double. Uh, People said that this guy's more about defense, but he looked really good offensively. Uh, any quick thoughts on those two guys? I love our show. I mean, any anybody who is catcher eligible that's not a catcher or that can run at all. I mean, we've seen Isaiah Kiner-Falefa has been one of the bit more, more valuable catchers just because of the steals that he generates. Yeah. So, I mean, Varsho is definitely a guy that if he's going to play center field every day, he's a guy I'd want to add if, if, I need, if I need help at catcher or really, I mean, just anywhere. I think he's truly going to be great. Um, Hayes, I've never been as high on, but I think, again, it's, it's mostly from the reading of it's more glove first than bat first. But these guys, we're seeing more and more these guys that don't don't have elite minor league numbers. They come up, and if they can make some contact, they can really grow into really great hitters at the big league level. So he's not a, he's not a bad guy to add if you're desperate. And as we look forward to Wednesday today, uh, there's two guys returning to the mound. We have Charlie Morton. And Joe Musgrove, both coming off injury. They're coming back to take the bump and go. Maybe if I'm not expecting much from either one of these guys, um, they're not Michael Pineda's necessarily. And they were both dealing with injuries. Michael Pineda was dealing with a suspension. Uh, anything to expect from either Charlie Morton or Joe Musgrove as they return to action today? I I love Musgrove. Um, I've I've wanted the breakout to happen for years now, and it just hasn't. The beginning of the season was terrible. Um, he gets the Cubs again today. That's not exactly something I'd want to see, but uh, like, I, I think he's a really good pitcher, and I think that I'm actually almost happy that he was bad and then got hurt because it'll probably depress his price more next year. But I think that he has the stuff to take a step forward. It just has not fully come together for him. So he's a guy I'm watching, but uh, I, I wanted to make note. I was looking through who was supposed to start today, and uh, Mike Kickham is making his first He's going to make his first appearance since 2014. I have no idea. I've never heard of this guy, but it's it's a cool story that he's coming back since 2015, 2014. So hey. he's going to start for the Red Sox today. So I wanted to make note of it on the on the pod. Well, congratulations, Mr. Kickham. We're rooting for you. We wish you best of luck against that Braves offense, which was yeah. pretty good last night. So uh, anybody who could make a comeback like that, like Daniel Bard, that's cool stuff. So good yeah, for them. Exactly. And I'm rooting for him. Why not? Yep, exactly. All right. Well, that'll do it. This has been the Morning Relay for Wednesday, September 2nd. We are in the final stretch here of the regular season. We got 25 more days. September 27th is the last day of the regular season. Don't forget to go to rotofedact.com. We got you covered all the way through your fantasy playoffs with analysis like Paul Mamino's GPS report. He does every Tuesday. And uh, tell people where you can be found, Paul. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at pmaminofantasy. Um, I tweet some stuff about prospects. I talk usually at, at Obviously, I write the GPS location report. Sometime this week, we're going to have uh, a look at hitters from the same the same perspective, kind of flip the model around and see how it looks at different hitters and 
how they influence different events. So look out for that uh, either tomorrow or Friday. All right. That sounds good, Paul. Uh, Good job. Good show. And everybody, we will see you on Thursday. 